The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of the Round Ball Stew podcast on NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Ryan Knauss. With me, as usual, my co-host, Jared Johnson. Jared, people listening on the podcast won't be able to see this, but you have a new hat. It's a a skeleton (laughs) wearing... Uh, is that a sombrero? What, tell me what's going on there. I feel like it's uh yes, it's a skeleton wearing a sombrero. I'm not sure what team they are or who they play for. <laughs> but, is that de- right? Definitely a minor league team, and I am wearing it atop my head proudly. I should say. Do you do you know what sport? <laughs> because you say minor league team, that could lead a lot of directions. Minor league baseball. Baseball. They've got okay. some interesting interesting logos to say the least. So the, this isn't a local team near you in Baja, California. This is just a team. <laughs> Correct. Yes. A team. Okay. Yep. Cool. Well, now I feel like after the pot, I'm going to have to do a Google search for this logo and dig a little deeper. But we'll get to that after we talk some fantasy basketball news around the league. We're going to start with an unfortunate update. Chris Middleton hyperextended his left knee during Monday's game. We're still awaiting details on that. Hopefully it's not that severe. Mike Buddenholzer suggested that it might not be, but it sounded more like a coach's optimism. So wait, waiting on test results there. Hyperextended knee, I mean, usually that's an absence measured in weeks. Am I wrong, Jared? This is just speculation, but typically hyperextended knee is going to cost players some time. Yeah, that's not, that's not something that typically come back for in a couple games here yeah it's like at least a week yeah so we'll have to hopefully it's great grade one and as you said maybe it's just a couple games and he's right back now Middleton has been very durable throughout his career so that bodes well for him but also the Bucks are the defending champs they're not going to take any risks with one of the top players on their roster so again just left waiting for test results but right on cue with Middleton getting hurt here comes Dante DiVincenzo going to make his season debut after left ankle surgery. He's getting ready to play Wednesday versus the visiting Pacers. Now, I've seen DiVincenzo taken off the waiver wire in some of my leagues, some of the more competitive ones. He's still only rostered in 18% of Yahoo leagues as of Monday night. I'm not honestly convinced, Jared, that it should be any higher. And I'll tell you why. Simply, simply put, in 27.5 minutes per game last season, DiVincenzo averaged 10.4 points, two triples, 5.8 boards, three dimes, 1.1 steals. Okay, solid numbers, especially in roto leagues. But he shot 42% from the field, 71% from the line. And now he has more competition, you know, at Grayson Allen's in Milwaukee. Do you think that DiVincenzo can even get back to those numbers I just cited, which are good in roto, but not so much in points leagues? Yeah, I think those numbers are... He could return to those numbers, if not improve upon them. He's 25, mm. and mm-hmm. Chris Middleton just went down. I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit of a process for him to get back. He hasn't played 
all year. He missed all of training camp, all the preseason. So I think when when guys come back from injuries like this, it's at least three to four weeks before they're really even capable of being the player that they can be. But just real quick on the free throw shooting, it was just, it was low, but it was on one point four attempts, and the total is fifty one of seventy one. Sure. So not too much of an issue for me there. I think that he's just like a sneaky kind of low end guy who can give you a little bit of everything. And I don't think he takes the volume for those percentages to really impact you negatively. Yeah, I mean, you're right that it's a mild hit compared to citing those percentages with a high volume guy. And yet, like you said, it takes, you know, can take three or more weeks for someone coming off ankle surgery, say, to get fully back up to speed. So you've already got to bake in that when the season is a third over. Plus, I really just I feel like Pat Connaughton really stepped up in the postseason last year. He has earned a bigger role. You have Rodney Hood, who's earning minutes, and you got Grayson Allen. So I just, I, like, I view those numbers I cited as kind of the best case scenario for DiVincenzo. And even that was just low round or uh, late round nine cap value. I guess we're, I, I'm less optimistic. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a league winner, but I do think that he's capable gotcha. of providing, you know, low end value that's useful. Would you, or I'll put it this way, have you picked up DiVincenzo anywhere? I didn't have the opportunity to. Ah. Okay. I, I I have a lot of leagues where I don't I'm not picking up players because I don't want to drop anyone. Honestly, that's where I'm at in a lot of leagues. Sometimes I'm in that position and I just have to bite the bullet and say I'm going to stream a position because I have three or four transactions every single week. I'm not just going to let them sit there. Plus, I I feel like you know there's a writing term. You have to kill your darlings. You have to be willing to to edit sentences that you think are great but just don't fit things like that. And I feel like on a fantasy roster, sometimes you just have to say, okay, if I get stuck, you know, thinking I've got this perfect team and nobody can be cut, you're going to miss opportunities on the waiver wire because you're just by default not even going to be looking at the waiver wire as much because you're comfortable thinking I've got my team. So. I almost try to have a mentality of one spot in my roster is fluid, no matter how good it is. If your team is really that great, then float some two-for-one trade offers. See what you can do. Yeah. Anyway, little f- fantasy philosophy thrown in there. Um, <laughs> what else we got here? Pat Connaughton, Rodney Hood, I mentioned them. Do you like them as long as Middleton is out? I like Connaughton. Rodney Hood is far yeah. too inconsistent, but Connaughton's played right. just really well. He's already worth rostering, so... Well, what is his what is his roster ship right now? He's only fifty four percent roster ship. That's we can use that phrase. That's getting higher because I remember I've written about him in a couple previous deep wires where he was about eighteen. So that's come up. That's come up. Yeah, and rightfully so. He's been really good. Speaking of really good, Jared, do you want to take a crack at talking about Jalen Brown? I know he's your boy. You were worried about his hamstring injury, maybe not so much after his return on Monday. I should be worried about it. But man, I watched him play last night and just he's he swooned me, Ryan. He's he swooned me all over again. And he looked incredible. I mean, <laughs> no signs of hamstring issues at all. 19 points, five dimes, four boards, two steals, one block. Most importantly, 30 minutes. And like I said, he was picking up people on defense, showing no signs of of hesitation with any sort of lateral movement. He just looks like Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. And he oh, I just love this man's jumper. Like when he puts it up, it's like, oh yeah, that's going in. He's so efficient. And just like his ability to just score in these bunches uh, and get the defensive stats. At one point last night, he stripped Giannis and almost went coast to coast. 
Giannis got rid of that highlight, but man, I I was planning on just him coming back and I was going to let him put in five, five, seven good games and, and see what I could get from him on the open market. But my problem is, is I love this man too much. I don't want to trade him anymore. So tell me why I should trade him and, and why hamstring <laughs> issues are terrible. No, I, I don't know that you should trade him. I mean, hamstring injuries can be terrible and they, but it seems like this was a case of Boston being cautious, right? Jalen Brown has had multiple injuries. He's he already had some nagging problems. He's got the, I believe it's a knee injury. That's sort of a background soreness that pops up mm. occasionally, but he's dealt with that for two years. That's not a huge deal. So they probably just thought, well, here's an opportunity to get his knee right, get everything right. So as you said, he, he looked great. Right. I will point out that he's had more than three assists twice all season. He did it on Monday with five dimes and he did it in the Celtics season opener back on October 20th. So that is a great sign, especially on a night, you know, against a good team when Boston had four starters with four or more dimes. They had smart with 11 Brown with five, as I just said, Tatum with four and Horford with four. They had 31 assists as a team on 43 made field goals. So to me, that's the type of like trust your teammate play that they've been lacking. We saw them national media attention when unnamed executives accused Jason Tatum of being selfish and not wanting to pass the ball. You had Marcus Smart calling out Jalen Brown and Tatum explicitly and saying they need to set up teammates and stop looking for their own play. And I feel like last night we saw that version of Boston the team that frankly they need to see more yeah. of unless Brad Stevens is going to make some trades and change the chemistry going into the trade deadline. So very optimistic as someone who lives in uh, New England and is sort of default a Celtics fan. And also, yeah, if you have Jalen Brown, for sure. I, so I don't, to, to answer your question, I don't have a reason why you should be worried and still look to trade him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just really hoping that you're right about that just them being cautious because it, it was so concerning when he missed two weeks, comes back a week, tweaks it again, and he's out another week. But hopefully, hey, you know, we're still relatively early in the season. If that's it, if he's good for the final two thirds, this is a league winning player. So I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Oh, I feel like if you trade him, that recent injury is still fresh enough. It's lingering and you're, there's going to be a sort of discount that you have to accept based on that. So I might not right. be willing to do that either. You know what? You know what? I think it's time for Ryan. What's that? I think it's time for an ad pivot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a natural segue. Give the gift of NBC sports edge plus this holiday season, get 15% off annual subscriptions. When you use the code holiday 15 at checkout, this offer turns to coal on December 31st. So visit NBC sports slash edge plus today. Again, that's code holiday 15 holiday 10. You said Jared, it was holiday 15 actually mr oh even better okay all right i'll keep keep that in mind while trying to kill some time instead of watching bulls games this week because they had two games postponed Ooh, by segue by, by Ooh, that segue sorry i'm just <laughs> i ruined the segue with my impression the bulls <laughs> so yes to, to reframe that the bulls had two games postponed due to covid they have 10 players jared in covid protocols it starts with alizé johnson who was just added they have zach levine demar derozan troy brown jr kobe white javante green matt thomas 
Derek Jones Jr., Io Dosumu, and Stanley Johnson. I feel like wasn't Alfonso McKinney also on that list? And he was maybe not, but they picked. I think that they they, they added Stanley Johnson and he immediately went to. Cody oh, he was Rhodes. the one. Okay. I knew that one of the players they added via hardship exception had also gone out and they needed like another hardship exemption for their hardship exemption. And I think in an athletic article, perhaps they mentioned that Chicago actually got their the city board of health involved to sway the NBA, because even though they technically had enough active players on the roster, it was just like this enough is enough. We're, we're getting, you know, more, more and more yeah. cases just because there's obviously an outbreak amongst our team. We cannot field a competitive team like this. So the NBA capitulated. And even though there were, I believe eight active players, because Kobe white was technically available tonight. They, yeah, they canceled those games, which leaves Chicago with a maximum of one game this week. So on the one hand, I'm curious to get your take on this, because on the one hand, it's potentially good news for most fantasy GMs, because all of the afflicted players I just mentioned, including the stars, Levine, DeRozan, etc., won't actually miss games, quote unquote, because they're going to be rescheduled. Now that leads to the question, when will they be rescheduled? If it's too late in the year, it might not help head to head managers because it'll come after fantasy playoffs. But you could also get extremely lucky and suddenly Zach Levine has a five game week in the middle of your fantasy finals. So how do you take this? Like, let's say you have Lonzo and Levine on a team. Are you upset? Are you potentially happy by by this turn of events? I'm just going to I'll go with a glass half full approach and that, you know, had they been forced to play those games with basically seven players because Kobe White was just coming out of quarantine, Lonzo Ball was averaging like 40 minutes for six games. I just don't like seeing numbers like that. It always concerns me with regards to injury potential. So I'm just glad to give everyone a little bit, a little bit of a break in Chicago. I am marginally concerned about what these guys look like when they come back. The virus affects everyone differently. We saw it hit Tatum pretty hard last year, and I can't really tell what's going on with Embiid, but Doc Rivers did mention, I think last week, that he's still recovering from it. So that's another thing to keep in mind with someone like DeMar DeRozan. But again, I will go glass half full and just hope all is well and and that they come back and and are relatively fine with this one. And like you said, with those games getting rescheduled, hopefully it happens before your fantasy season is done. Yeah, for sure. And if you're in a roto league, then it's all good. But I mean, that's a good point. The, The long COVID can affect people. Everyone recovers differently. We saw Jason Tatum, who we mentioned earlier. He had a rough go of it last year with breathing issues, things like that. So yeah, definitely yet another consideration here. In more COVID news, we actually, as of this morning, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Bembry, Javon Carter, and James Johnson have all gone into quarantine. And Kevin Durant is questionable tonight with an ankle injury. Could this be a Nick Claxton game? Do you see Nick Claxton as a potential streamer tonight? Potentially, sure. If Aldridge, so sorry, he they're in protocol, so they're out. Yep, they're out. Yeah, in that case, sure. I mean, Blake Griffin's out of the mix. Paul Millsap looks washed. I think this could easily... Millsap's also in... Co- in oh, he was balls, one of those players. So. Well, there. Okay, so much yeah. better. And James Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think by default, perhaps, yeah. this is a Nick Claxton game. So if ever there were a time to right. play him, I, I love that. On a nice Tuesday Tuesday night with just three games on the schedule. Yes. So. See, that's why you got to keep that streaming spot open, Jared. <laughs> 
Nice. So we got we got a potential Claxton stream for our listeners this morning. Okay, the Kings are shopping Marvin Bagley. Eh? <laughs> um, he was uh, he was pretty bad across twenty two minutes as a starter on Saturday, but then he came back with a bit of a bounce back performance last night. He did come off the bench, but he received twenty six minutes, twelve points, eleven boards, one triple, and one block. Alvin Gentry seems to have received the menu that they are to be showcasing Bagley at this point in time. They He's been linked to, uh, well, off-season linked to Philly and Toronto, but we don't know how far mm. those talks went, if it was more than just a phone call with an instant hang-up. Do you see Bagley, do you see any team where Bagley could go and and be someone who's Who's fun to roster? Who who has has solid fantasy value? Hmm. Is that something you could see happening? I mean, sure. I guess in like a blank, you know, blue sky sort of situation, like he could end up, end up on a team like OKC that just doesn't care night to night and might air him out and see if he can get twenty five and twelve and shoot horribly and you know grow through mistakes and defensive lapses, all those things, maybe. In which case, sure, he'd be fun because the counting stats would be there. Fun, at least in points leagues. But no, in general, not really, like not in a real practical sense. He's primarily, I think, three quarters of his time is coming at power forward, 25% at center. He's pretty much a power forward. He's also still deeply inefficient. He's got below 55% true shooting, which is very bad for a big man. The lowest assist rate, lowest steal rate, Mm -hmm. lowest block rate, and lowest usage of his career. Player efficiency rating and win shares are both the second lowest of his career. So this goes back to the showcase thing that made you chuckle when you even said it. Like, it's pretty hard to showcase a guy who's this deeply inefficient. And even the 12 points that he scored last night came on 12 shot attempts. Like, he's just not not getting it done. So I'm not really (laughs) sure what teams are going to see that will make them, A, want to trade for him. And B, once they do, put him in position to just, like, do whatever he wants on the court, which is what it would take for fantasy value to come. So, I, you know, we can keep going back to the fact right. that he's 22 years old, but that's kind of wearing thin if it hasn't already. So I'm not into it. You know, like, just like if you look at the depth charts around the league, pretty much everyone's set at power forward. Just like, I can't see him landing. And like you mentioned, OKC, okay, okay, that's one, but we oh. haven't had any reports on that. <laughs> and my dogs are furious about this slander of Marvin Bagley, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, I just don't I don't quite see anywhere that he could go. And specifically with the him being linked to Philly and Toronto, not great. I mean, either of those places would be bad. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't have him as a stash really and I don't see yeah. I don't see where he could where he could be good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> No, nor do I. One other thing, for his career, he has 50% more turnovers than assists, and he also has regressed as a three-point shooter from 34% last year, which was, like, reasonable, to 28.6% this year, the opposite of what you need to see for a big man in today's NBA. So, yeah, a lot of pessimism there. We went the opposite direction from Jalen Brown. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, Jared, now I've told you this week after week, and I truly hope that you've done it, but I need you to download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Wizards and Kings, Grizzlies and Trailblazers, and Clippers and Jazz. So if you have not yet downloaded the Predictor app, do so now. All right, Killian Hayes did not practice on Monday. He can't seem to shake his thumb injury. It seemed like a precautionary absence from practice. He said his thumb was tender after a recent game. What do you see coming out of this, if anything? I guess when he was out, Frank Jackson and Saban Lee had some moments. But are they anyone you're looking at for streaming, potential weekly pickups? What's what's on your radar? I was super excited about both Frank Jackson and Saban Lee until today's game got postponed, meaning they don't play until Thursday. Detroit had a four-game week. It's gone down to three. I still am looking at them potentially as pickups after Wednesday for Thursday's game because Thursday is another light game. And they they showed out not just because of Killane Hayes going down, but also because Jeremy Grant is gone for the next six weeks with that thumb injury. And on Sunday, Frank Jackson checked in the game a little bit earlier than usual, and he was far more aggressive with his shot. Now, I know that he can be inconsistent, but we also have seen him perform really well this season at times where the Pistons have missed key players. As for Saban Lee, he also intrigues me a lot. He's been like lighting up the G League, and he had a really good line on Sunday. He also showed us some flashes last season. So these are two guys that I do think could step up. I think Saban Lee is more tied to whether or not Killian Hayes can play on Thursday. In Sunday's game, in addition to that thumb issue, he also had a little bit of a knee tweak. He played through both. So I don't know where he's at exactly. And the fact that he gets all the way till Thursday to rest up, maybe he doesn't miss any games. Maybe that takes Saban Lee off the radar. But I do think that Frank Jackson is a guy that that can benefit while Jeremy Grant is out. Now, I was listening to Matt and Steve the other day, and Matt brought up Kelly Olenek, how he was looking at Kelly Olenek once the Jeremy Grant news broke. And it, that made sense to me. And then I looked it up, and you know he's dealing with a grade two MCL sprain. He's playing for one of the worst teams in the league. And it's not that he's going to be back in two weeks. It's that he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So two weeks from now, Jeremy Grant's only four weeks away. And then there's going to be a ramp-up process when Kelly Olenek is brought back. And there's going to be zero incentive for them to rush him back to the court. So, like, I looked at one of my, in a deeper league of mine, I, I was like, well, maybe I'll trade for Kelly Olenek in one of my leagues. And there honestly wasn't a single player on my roster I'd be willing to trade for Kelly Olenek. So, so how do you feel about all of these guys in Detroit? How do you, what do you feel that the injury fallout is from, from all this stuff? Well, to start with Olenek, I mean, you make a good point. It's two weeks until he's reevaluated and then comes back for a team that currently has a 4-22 and record. And for all we know, by the time he's reevaluated, they'll have a 4-30 and record. And then they're just getting worse and worse. Right. You know, right. 
it's a team that's tanking, that's rebuilding. And while Olenek may have a place in that because he's a good player, he's a glue guy, he can make teammates better. And there's something to be said for that, to have a veteran leader on the court, a guy who makes plays easier for other guys. So, you know, and I don't see a lot of big men on their bench who they would want to develop instead. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he'd be directly taking minutes away from anyone unless, you know, Isaiah Stewart, of course, might chip away, but they may consider that a good thing. They don't want him playing 40 minutes as he did versus Brooklyn on Sunday. In the short term, while he's out and while Jeremy Grant is out, it was very interesting to see Trey Lyles only play eight minutes. I know, you know, Matt and Steve talked about this, so I won't get into it too much. But if that proves to have not been just a matchup-based thing, if that is the philosophy for Detroit, go small, go small, then what I just said about Frank Jackson and Saban Lee, maybe throw that out the window. Because if they're going to get 26-plus minutes per game, that's a whole different equation. And Saban Lee, honestly, I might might appeal to me more because although Frank Jackson's going to score in bunches and get the, you know, sort of pop off the box score a lot more, Saban Lee is a steals guy. He'll get more dimes. He's going to fill up across the board. And as we saw on Sunday, and as you said, a bit last season, he can fill it up. So yeah, I, I don't mind him as a, a opportunistic kind of streaming play. Yeah. Yeah. I like both those guys a lot. I picked up each one in in uh, two leagues, and then I think I cut Saban Lee in a deep league for uh, a streaming option when today's game got postponed. You know, I was going to talk more about Killian Hayes, but let's just skip it. We t- we talked about him last week. He's just, <laughs> I-, I think he has huge fantasy potential, but it really depends whether he can start hitting shots. You know, his shot chart is just horrific. It's He's 10%, put, this, put it this way, he's 10% below the league average for field goal percentage every single part of the basketball court except for the corners for three pointers 10 percent. ryan included a screenshot in our in our notes and it it is a sea of red (laughs) fellas it is a sea of red he's got one little life preserver in the left corner so cling to that on offense my man in any case uh all right another guy who has had some shooting woes in the past but is actually much better now Cam Reddish, who Shams Tarania reported recently that teams are expressing interest in Cam Reddish. No surprise there, I suppose. And the Hawks reportedly want a first round draft pick in exchange for him, which again, makes sense. You know, I'll say that the trade interest piques my interest because if he lands in the right spot, Cam Reddish could be very, very good for fantasy. The steals rate is fantastic. Solid averages of, you know, he's averaging 11.2 points, career high, 1.6 triples on almost 37% from deep. That really stands out to me. And it seems real. He's he's up to 90 plus percent from the free throw line, usually a good indicator of three point uh, ability, even if it's not quite there yet. What do do you make of him? I really like Cam Reddish. I have him in most of my leagues and he's able to flash his upside when the Hawks are missing pieces. This... Atlanta team is absolutely loaded, yet they seem to need all this depth because they seem to constantly experience injuries on the wings. Mm -hmm. But look, Cam Reddish had a really nice game last night. Well, I won't say really. He had a good game. Still 37% shooting, but 12 points, two triples, two steals, and a block. And and that's really where his value comes from is his ability to give you defensive stats, some decent scoring numbers, and triples. It might not always be efficient, but hes I don't think he's going to take enough volume for, for him to truly define chucker status. And, I, you know, if he lands in the right spot where he's able to earn 
30-ish minutes a game, he, I feel, has top 75-ish potential. So I would like to see him traded outside of Atlanta before they get healthy again. And, you know, he's playing really well. So I, I do, the idea of a trade definitely intrigues me. But he, he is playing well with Atlanta banged up, so I already do think that he's someone that you should be rostering. Yeah, I would second that. I think he does enough to justify a roster spot now with the potential of a trade looming. Because some of these things you hear, and it's, you know, for instance, you know, we heard the Pacers want to trade some guys potentially an open space for Chris Duarte, who's in the same kind of position as Reddish doing enough now that it's worth holding on to him and they want to open space for Isaiah Jackson, who's not even in the rotation. So there are some players that you just put on your watch list, Isaiah Jackson. All right, keep an eye on him in case, you know, Sabonis gets traded, whatever. Cam Reddish, I think to wait two months until February to see if he lands in a good spot, that isn't reason enough to have him on your roster, but he's getting some steals. He's getting some, some points. And what's the, where's Deandre Hunter and his rehab? You happen to know? I don't know. Um, wasn't it a two-month absence? I feel like we're three weeks into that, but I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head. Probably. But point being, he's not right around the corner. Yeah. So as far as far as you and I can remember, anyway, <laughs> let's see. He is expected to miss two months as of exactly one month ago to the day. Ooh, I was a week off. So he's out yet another month. You're the one who wrote that blurb, by the way. You should have remembered this, Jared. No. <laughs> We write a lot of blurbs, can't remember them all. But point being, he's out another month. Cam Reddish has a, a nice window to produce in that time. So, yeah, solid hold with some upside in case he is traded. Speaking of trades, there are rumors picking up steam with Ben Simmons. Again, according to Sham Strania, the Sixers are engaging multiple teams in multiple team scenarios, including the Knicks, Lakers, Wolves, Blazers, Kings, Pacers and Cavaliers. The Sixers are reportedly asking teams for an all-star caliber player and or multiple first-round draft picks. So that has not changed. That's exactly what Maury was asking for over the summer. You know, he's stuck to his guns. He's like, I'm not going to take a low ball offer. I think he tongue-in-cheek said that he would keep Ben Simmons for four years before <laughs> before uh, trading him if, if need he, if need be. He did say that. So, he did say that. <laughs> I guess of those teams I'm I mentioned, I'll go back over them, the Knicks, the Lakers, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Kings, Pacers, and Cavaliers. Are there any teams there that jump out to you as potentially great or potentially horrible destinations for Ben Simmons? I mean, great. Let's see. Great. Probably the Cavs or... I mean, it, the Trailblazers make a ton of sense to me. He would just slide right in. But I think it's hilarious that the Lakers are being mentioned because the only way the <laughs> Lakers could do this trade is by trading Russ, which, hey, makes sense. Russ is awful. But why, mm-hmm. why would Philly want that? It's just trading an older for an older, more injury-prone version of Simmons who fires way too many shots. So I think that's absolutely hilarious that they're being included in this conversation. Portland just makes sense to me. I don't know what Cleveland could even offer. The Knicks, of course, the Knicks are mentioned. Who are they going to give up? Um, Same, is it going to be a D'Angelo Russell? Actually, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell might work in Philly, come to think about it. But anyways, I, I don't think, I think the thing that makes the most sense to me is Portland. How about you? Most sense for fantasy, you mean? 
or just most plausible, logical, real world? Both. Okay. Portland, yeah, I would have put them somewhere in the middle, but I can see that fit for sure. I think real world, it's a great fit. The Lakers, I would assume, were only mentioned in this report as one of those multi-team trades trying to facilitate it by, you know, getting some sort of uh, right. extracting no, some sense. sort of win yeah. now piece. Because mm -hmm. you're right, where's Westbrook going to go that makes any sense? But, I, you know, I think the Kings would be a great destination. They're already playing with the third fastest pace in the league. They have increasingly little to play for, so they might as well just throw them out there alongside Darren Fox, see what that looks like. You know, they can continue to run a crazy variety of small ball lineups uh, with Ben Simmons' defense really, really helping in that regard. I, you know, who are they? Now, Not a lot of shooting on that no, team. No, which so. is... A, ben Simmons, Darren Fox backcourt. No, that would be... A, court spacing would be a, a huge problem, especially because you assume Buddy Hill's gone in any such scenario. So now there's yet another court spacer gone so it's tough and all, honestly all this speculation i know it's neither your nor i favorite activity because who knows what are these teams giving up to get ben simmons in this scenario and we can't factor that into our thinking right so anyway right. still a fun exercise and and honestly like a lot of the biggest trades that we see happen every season are, are something we've we had no reporting on oh yeah Listen, everything we hear, especially months in advance of the trade deadline, is coming from an agent or a team with an agenda. These aren't just like, uh, you know, no one's like reading someone's diary and getting the real dirt on the situation. You're getting the spin. So always got to keep that in mind. All right. Final little rundown of the day. This is a, a little exercise. I'm curious, among these players who have horrible, highly weighted field goal percentage anchors, who do you have the most faith in to recover and improve this season, Jared? Or the least faith? So I'm going to limit it to seven because otherwise we'll lose track. We've got Jalen Suggs, who's at 33.9%. I'll just say all of these guys are below 40% on high volume. Keep it simple. So we've got Jalen Suggs, Sadiq Bey, all rookie team last year, just brick factory this year. It's painful. D'Angelo Russell, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Big breakout hype guy for NBC Sports Edge. He's been a dud. <laughs> Damian Lillard, obviously the abdominal issue. Kevin Porter Jr. and Cade Cunningham. So among those names, does anyone jump out to you as, oh, it's just a fluke. They're going to bounce back. It's fine. I think, I think I'm still going to say that about Lillard. I just can't imagine this. It, the data set's getting really large, though. It just does seem like there's something wrong. Like, how long can we say? <laughs> well, there is something how long wrong. Can we say that yeah. you know he's Dame Lillard? Yeah, he's Dame Lillard. People have off years, but if I'm going to choose anyone out of this list, I think it's him. I mean, Cade would be a, sec a close second, but I don't. I have no faith in Alexander Walker at this point, um, especially with setback to Zion Williamson, who might have helped open up the spacing a little bit. I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. why he would suddenly just start not chucking it up like he is. There, there isn't really any data that we can go back to to point to. He's basically been a, a summer league darling and, and good in spot starts. So that's my answer. <laughs> Dame, I guess, Cade close to, and I don't have any faith in, in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Ditto. I, I will say I'll put Naw near the bottom. And we, we had mentioned on previous pods that <clears throat> Zion returning would probably be a positive for him in this regard. So I think that does hurt uh, the Zion setback. 
Dame was also my kind of first instinct, yeah. right? For the same reason. You're like, well, it's Damian Lillard. He's going to climb his way out. But it's not just an off year. I mean, he's dealing with a real abdominal sort of core injury as far as we know. And in order to get back on the court after 10 days off recently, he had to get a cortisone shot, which just alleviates pain yeah, in his bad. short term. So that's it, it's still strained. It's still bothering him. He just it's been chemically numbed for the time being. So that's deeply concerning to me. And like every time you see him and he's you know, he takes contact. He's not afraid of getting in the paint. So that at this point, concern has to register. So. Yeah, I'm not super faithful. I guess the guy I would put at the top is Sadiq Bey. I have I have faith that he will turn things around. A, the Pistons are not going to stop giving him opportunities. He's too good. He's a young guy on a very bad team. So great position for him. And he's shooting fully 6% worse than he did last year as a rookie. And he wasn't great last year at 40%, but he's taking actually fewer right. three-pointers. So theoretically, he should be you know taking his shots closer to the rim. And he's getting a lot of good shots. If you watch them play, they're just not falling. So I don't frankly. 29.6% from distance for Mr. Sadiq Bay. That seems like something that should correct. Good point. 9% below. And maybe once he's more comfortable playing with Cade Cunningham and once they have, you know, Killian Hayes in and out of the lineup, they've got a lot of kind of chaos, especially in the playmaking side of things. That once that settles down and they find a groove and Bay knows where his shots are going to come from and he's more comfortable in the flow of the offense, I think that that will all be to his benefit. Because you look at his shot chart, it's not that much different. They're just not going in. So there's no injury concern there that we know of. So I think he'll bounce back. I also have very little faith in Jalen Suggs, I will say. Oh, yeah. No, pretty much no faith. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if you have these guys... Yeah, just be prepared to lose field goal percentage frequently. Yeah. But Sadiq Bay, I'll say for that reason, I think he's one of my buy low guys. I'm trying to trade for him wherever I can because you're seeing him pop up on waiver wires. People are getting fed up. So I'll, I'll grab him everywhere I see him. All right, that's all I got. Thanks as usual, Jared. I'm going to go Google what your skeletal sombrero hat is and I'll let you know what, what it is you're wearing. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. See you next week. Thanks, Jared. Catch you next week, sir. Adios. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.